Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee was captured by the Lord Jesus as a young man of 19 in his native land of China. He consecrated his life to preach the gospel and later labored side by side with Watchman Nee for parts of three decades before bringing the ministry to the West in 1962. The Life Study of the Bible as a significant contribution to the heritage of Bible exposition, and we're delighted to be able to bring short portions of this spoken ministry to you from the Life Study of Philippians on today's broadcast. Before we join today's program, we'd like to offer you our free monthly newsletter, The Hearing of Faith. To receive your free copy, just call 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That number again is 1-888-543-3788. Now, let's join today's life study. What is the secret of strong faith in Christ? Well, on today's life study of the Bible, we will look back at the experience of some fathers in the faith to learn helpful lessons from them that will hopefully save us a lot of time and trouble. Joining us for this look back to ponder over and apply these experiences is Bob Danker. Bob, welcome to the program. Glad to have you back today. It's good to be back, Chris, and it's also good to... As you said, look back at some of our uh, predecessors in the faith to see how they learned to receive God's Word through prayer. Of course, the Bible says we only have one Father, and in that sense, that's who we are honoring. But we do recognize, as you said, those who have gone before us from whom we have gained uh, so much. And that's, uh, I think, going to be an interesting aspect of the program today. Recently, Bob, we've been talking a lot about the relationship between the Word and the Spirit and how these two should never be separated. When we come to the Bible, we need prayer, and we also need to add the words of the Bible itself to our prayer. Bob, let's join Witness Lee right now. He's speaking in a conference in 1980 at 75 years of age about the personal help he got from two pillars of the Christian faith, George Whitfield and George Mueller. Maybe before we join him, let me ask you briefly to give our audience, our listeners, a little background on these two, as we would say, pillars of the faith here. Well, Chris, George Whitfield lived in the 1700s. He was a contemporary of John and Charles Wesley, and he studied with them at Oxford University and was a member of a spiritual group there, which was called the Holy Club or the Oxford Methodists. And whereas John and Charles Wesley worked mainly in England, George Whitfield spent quite a number of years in the United States as an evangelist. Although he was, of course, a British man, a British brother, he was burdened to preach the gospel in America, and he spent considerable time in America. And George Mueller, he lived in the next century, the 1800s, and he was known as a man of faith. He lived in England, and he was most well-known for his uh, work among orphans, He built up orphanages in England to care for the orphans, and as a man of faith, he never let anybody know what his financial need was. He only went to the Lord, and he trusted in God to meet his need, 
and God was faithful and met all the needs of George Mueller's uh, extensive work in England among orphans. Well, of course, there are great biographies of these men, and uh, these biographies are certainly worthwhile reading for any believer. In Mueller's case, I know there's a very well-known autobiography, and Witness Lee will refer to that in this coming section. So let's join him for his fellowship. George Whitfield, he prayed word after word the whole New Testament Greek text. He prayed all the Greek text of the whole New Testament. If I remember well, he prayed on his knees. He prayed what? Not pray his prayer. He prayed the Bible. He prayed as a British man the New Testament in Greek. He prayed every sentence of the Greek New Testament. Now you understand his secret, why he was so powerful, why he was so spiritual, because he did a lot of pre-reading of the Word of God. I got saved, 1925. I began to love the Bible. Firstly, I only knew to read exercising my two eyes. As a young man, still teenager, I was ambitious of knowledge. Because I got saved, I loved the Bible. So I sure like to know. So I read the Bible. In a short time, I think about just three weeks, I read through the whole Bible. I got nothing. Then I was told, you have to meditate. Not only to read but to meditate. So I learned to meditate. And nobody told me what is the right way to meditate. According to a lexicon, to meditate means just to dwell upon and to consider. So I did. I read a verse, then I meditated. It helped a little, little bit. It's better than nothing. But still that didn't work. Then I got the help from George Mueller's autobiography. It's close to 45 years ago. I got a copy of his autobiography. In that book, he told us that whenever you read a verse, you need not only to dwell upon it, to meditate it, but also you need to pray. Amen. Suppose that verse talks about love. You have to pray about love. Suppose that verse talks about repentance. You have to pray about repentance. Then by this, I got a lot of help. So I began to read the Bible and pray accordingly. And a number of times, I did pray with the pure word of that verse. I made that verse my prayer. Well, Bob, I think for the listeners that have been following along in this live study, we've seen conclusively from Paul's presentation in Philippians that these two things, the word 
and the spirit cannot be separated, as we touched before. So this program today is very practical, uh, and we're getting a historical basis at the same time for this practice that we have referred to already as pray reading. And now we have the testimony of these two, uh, anyone would acknowledge, pillars of the faith, Whitfield and Mueller. How about your own testimony, Bob? Well, Chris, before I learned how to pray read uh, with the words of the Bible, I used to have a personal time with the Lord in the morning, mm-hmm. and I would read a portion of the scriptures. Uh, many times I would do this on my knees, but I have to confess that often before I finished my reading, I had fallen asleep. <laughs> and of course, it's very hard to get anything out of the scriptures when you're sleeping. Right. So this doesn't work so well. And there were other times, of course, I would read the Bible, as Witness Lee said, you know, meditate on it and get some kind of help. I would receive some kind of benefit from that. But then one day, by the Lord's mercy, someone helped me to learn how to pray read. And that just changed my entire experience of reading the Bible. The words, black and white words on the page of the Bible, they are the logos, the constant word of God. Right. But what we need, Chris, is not the logos We need the rima, the instant word spoken by the Lord to us at a particular moment. And as the Lord said in John 6, that instant word, that rima word, is spirit and life. So when I began to pray, read the scriptures, the logos on the pages of the Bible began to become rima. I began to receive the Lord's instant speaking while I was praying with the words of the Scriptures, and this speaking of the Lord is indeed spirit and life. It results in nourishment, enjoyment, enlightening. Even as uh, Jeremiah said Mm -hmm. in Jeremiah 15, 16, I found your words and I ate them. And your word was the joy and rejoicing of my heart. You can tell from Jeremiah's experience that the word of God that he ate became joy within him. That means... It became grace. It became even the spirit within him. So this was my experience, too. As I pre-read the word, uh, no more are the word of the Bible, just teachings, moral teachings, ethical teachings, doctrines, and even spiritual facts. But these words become rima words, instant words that are spirit and life. Yeah, Bob, you used the phrase, the word became spirit in life. Of course, uh, as Dick Taylor pointed out a day or two ago, that in John 6 was the Lord's promise, that my words to you, they are spirit and they are life. But many times our experiences, as you described your first experience, uh, oftentimes the word is not full of spirit in life in our experience and can have just the opposite effect, as you said, sometimes putting us to sleep. So we all want, I think all God's people want this experience. They want the word to be living and operating fully conveying and containing the Spirit, and that's what this program is devoted to, really. We're going to go on now. This time, Witness Lee will continue to talk about uh, the help he got from others, and specifically Watchman Nee. Stay tuned for this one. But still, I didn't know how to exercise the Spirit. Our leading brother, Watchman Nee, he experienced something. His stress among us on the matter of what? On the matter of exercising your spirit. You must exercise your spirit. When you talk to people, you must send out your spirit. He said, when you talk to people, if you use your mind, you could only touch people's mind. When you talk to people, you use your emotion. 
you will move others' emotions. I got helped. Then watchman said, if you are going to touch people's spirit, you must use your spirit. He said, you must push out your spirit. And she said, our spirit is the dormant one, the lazy one. The most active one, the most diligent one, you know, is what? The mind with man. But the emotion with the ladies. And the most idle part of our being is our spirit. Do you realize? You don't exercise your spirit that much in reading the Bible. When we come to the Bible, be sure I concentrate my spirit. I don't care for my seeing, my sight. I don't care for my understanding. I don't care for my being moved. I care for what? I care for the exercise of my spirit to pray read the word. Well, Bob, I really pray that our listeners uh, caught the point here. I think it's worth spending the time on to make doubly sure this matter of bringing our spirit and the exercise of our spirit into it, which he attributed to Watchman Nee's uh, help for them in their early days in China, developed this thought for us because this is a critical component, isn't it? Yes, Chris. We have told our listeners in a number of broadcasts that uh, when they read the Bible, they need to pray read. But the secret of pray reading is the exercise of our regenerated spirit. We all have a regenerated spirit within us. If we read the scriptures without exercising our spirit, then we cannot touch the spirit of the Lord who is contained within the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So the essence of God's word is spirit. The essence of God's word is just God the spirit himself. So in order to receive God's words through prayer, we must exercise our spirit. And as Witness Lee pointed out, our spirit is probably the most idle part of our being. Mm -hmm. Our mind is very strong, our emotion is very strong, but our spirit is weak. And when we read the Bible, very few of us may actually use their spirit. So the key to pray reading is not only to pray with the words of the Bible, but to pray with the exercise of our spirit. In his uh, speaking in this message, we didn't listen to that part, but Witness Lee gave an example of a match, Uh a wonderful example. You know, we have a match. Match is a little stick of wood, but on one end of the match, we have a little ball of phosphorus. And when we strike that end of the match, which has the phosphorus against a matchbox, the rough part on the side of the matchbox, what happens? The fire comes out. Right. So in his illustration, Witness Lee likened the Bible to a match. And the Spirit of the Lord, who is contained in the Bible, as the phosphorus. So here you have the match with the phosphorus. But you don't get any fire unless you strike the phosphorus against this rough surface on the side of the matchbox. Well, what is that rough part of the matchbox? That's our spirit. So we have to use our spirit to strike the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the scriptures. And then we experience a divine fire, something burning within us, something enlightening us, moving us, and feeding us, and something nourishing us. But if we don't use our spirit to strike the spirit in the Bible, then we will get no fire. 
You can look at a match. You can love a match. You can appreciate a match. But you have no fire unless you strike that match against the proper object. And it's exactly the case with the Bible. Unless we strike the Word of God with our spirit, we have no fire. But when we do, we then experience the divine fire, which is God himself in the Word. Bob, that really connects to a verse we're going to touch again tomorrow about holding forth the word of life. And as a result of that, we become luminaries, those who shine out. That means this fire, this uh, flame of light is operating and uh, being expressed through our very selves. That's right, Chris. Well, Bob, let's join Witness Lee once again. This time he will tell of his experience of the Bible becoming the tree of life to him. And he is going to tell a story from 1943. When the triune God and the Spirit, through the Word, touched by us, we have Him as our light, life, love, holiness, righteousness, and power. All these are one, just the Lord Himself. This is the very experiential. Not only subjective, but experiential Christ. You experience Christ in such a subjective way. Then, spontaneously, you leave Christ in so many items of the divine virtues. This is what we need. It doesn't mean that the Bible is God's spoken word. It gives us a divine revelation, telling us what God is, and telling us what we have to do, and telling us we have to behave in certain way, then we can contact God. Apparently, this is all right. Apparently, the Bible is just like such a book. But this is a distraction. It's nothing wrong, but it is a distraction. I got a lot of experience by wasting my time to consider the Bible as such a book, a revelation spoken by God, telling us what God is, how God is, and telling us how we have to do, how we have to behave ourselves, that we may contact Him. I practiced this kind of teaching for years, since 1925, uh, after 1943. I had a big change. I no more merely consider the Bible as a kind of objective revelation, telling me what God is, telling me what I have to do to behave myself, to contact Him. I began to consider that this book is the tree of life for me to eat. When it is a book of life to you, it is the tree of life. When it becomes a book of knowledge to you, it becomes the tree of knowledge. The tree of knowledge brings you death. The scripture in letters kills. But if you exercise your spirit to concentrate your whole being, not on the understanding, but on the feeling, right away you make this book a book of life, the tree of life. From every page, every line, you could get some fruits of life. And you eat them, and you feed yourself 
with them. Then you get the life supply. Well, Bob, I believe that this is one of the most critical points in this ministry, the matter of the Word and what it can be and what it most often is. Let me say that, of course, we love, we honor, we regard, we respect, we believe the Bible, however we touch it, however it's presented, in whatever form and fashion. But the Bible becoming the tree of life is another matter altogether. And we really believe that this is what God has as the portion for all of his people, don't we? That's right. When God gave us the Bible as his word, his main intention was not just that we would learn about him through the revelation in the Bible and that we would not receive instructions on how to behave ourselves and conduct ourselves in order to make God happy. This is not God's main intention. God's real intention in giving us the Bible is to give us the tree of life for us to feed, to eat, to have some food, some divine spiritual nourishment, to nourish our inner man. And the result of our being fed with the words of the Scriptures, actually our being fed with the Spirit as the reality of the words of the Scriptures, the result of this is that spontaneously we live Christ in all kinds of virtues will come out in our daily life without our effort. So this is a critical point. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul said that the Bible can be to us either the tree of life or the tree of knowledge. Right. In 2 Corinthians, Paul said, the letter kills. That means the letter of the Bible, just used in a way of knowledge, brings in death. But Paul said, the Spirit gives life. So where is this life-giving Spirit today? Well, he is embodied in the words of the Scriptures. When we come to the Word, we need to consider that we're coming to the tree of life to receive the life-giving Spirit as our spiritual nourishment. This will produce in us a metabolic change in our inward constitution to make us a man of God, a man of life, and we will spontaneously become a part of God's corporate expression. We will live Christ, and we will not live ourselves. Bob, if you will allow, I would just take a moment to make this uh, comparison. If we take the Bible as just a manual, a how-to manual, a how-to-live-the-Christian-life, how-to-carry-on-relationships, how-to-behave-properly-to-please-God, it will kill us, won't it? It will, Chris. It will bring in spiritual death. That means it will isolate us from God, and it will separate us from a living union and fellowship with God. But on the other hand, if we take the Bible as the tree of life, praying, exercising our spirit to, as you said, strike the Holy Spirit, the holy, the divine component in the Word, it becomes something altogether living, nourishing, enlivening. A wonderful contrast. A wonderful contrast, and we need to experience this in our own experience I need this experience, you need this experience, all of our listeners need to experience this wonderful aspect of the Word of God. Well, we're out of time, Bob. Uh, just enough time for me to extend the invitation I'd like to at this point in the program each day, that is to invite our listeners to contact us just to get their fellowship, your own experience of Christ, especially your own experience of Christ in the Word as you have uh, had something similar perhaps or are for the first time 
taking the word in a way that is new and fresh to you, hopefully with some help and light from these programs. We heard marvelous testimonies today. You and I sit here, all the brothers that uh, participate in this program as ones who have just learned from others. And we heard the testimony today of Witness Lee, the help that he got uh, from those who went before. So we're all standing on one another's shoulders, aren't we, Bob? That's right, Chris. We really are standing on the shoulders of those who have gone before us. Our toll-free number, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Please do call us. We'd love to hear from you. Our mailing address, Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. And our email address is radio at lsm.org. We'll return tomorrow with another Life Study from the Book of Philippians. For Bob Danker today, this is Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. In a series of messages given in 1978, Witness Lee conducted a detailed study of Paul's Epistle to the Philippians, revealing its emphasis on the experience of Christ. These messages have been published in the book, The Experience of Christ, which is available at Christian bookstores everywhere, or you can order a copy from Living Stream Ministry by calling 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-543. 3788. To receive a free catalog of Living Stream Ministry books by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, call our toll-free number 1-888-543-3788. Call today.